hi. Welcome to the show. We are the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Haley Wooden. I'm Tyler Orton. And this podcast is brought to you by Manning, Elliott Accountants, and Business Advisors. Thanks for joining us. Later on in this podcast, after our business news, we're going to feature an interview from BIV's Roundhouse Radio Show, where we talk a lot about NAFTA, Tyler. Yeah, you know, we spoke to John Johnson. He's a senior fellow at the C.D. Howe Institute, all about... Uh, a lot of the statements that Donald Trump has been making lately about how he's really planning on uh, just terminating NAFTA, it's just going to be easy like that. And he actually pointed out that maybe constitutionally in the United States, it's not going to be such an easy task for him really because, well, yeah, he'll be able to explain it best in just a few moments, in fact. That's interesting because one of my pieces of business news relates to remarks made by President Trump over the weekend. Mm. This is after you and our colleague Kirk LaPointe had the chance to speak to John Johnson. Again, Trump took to Twitter to say that Canada and Mexico have been very difficult negotiating partners. Any question whether it's time to terminate? It wasn't clear whether he was saying NAFTA or the negotiations, either or. It's something that we have heard Many times before, and I think both Canada and Mexico on their part have sort of dismissed those remarks at this point as negotiating tactics. Yeah, but these aren't very good negotiating tactics, though. You leave it to the end to say that you're going to walk away. You don't do it right at the beginning. And so I don't understand what the point is here. I think what Trump has in mind is he he really wants to make it look like to his base that uh, they're they're scoring a big win here. Like it is a hard fought tooth and nail uh, whatever comes out of it, it's the best deal possible at this point. But the idea of walking away from NAFTA, terminating it, uh, I mean, think about all the U.S. state economies that are so dependent, not just on, say, Canada as a trading partner, but um, everything coming from Mexico, going back down to Mexico, too. Exactly. It's a very complicated and delicate thing, a trade deal to negotiate. I know all three countries have agreed to an accelerated process, which, again, some people will say, you know what? You can either go long and get something of value or you can speed it up and get something hammered out. But what sort of value will it have? We'll see where it lands us. Round two of the NAFTA talks is expected to start Friday of this week in Mexico City. That's September 1st. And there are seven rounds. So we really are just in the beginning phases. Uh, Look, uh, Uber has a new CEO. Who would have ever thought I was questioning for a long time who would ever want to be CEO of (laughs) Uber at this point? Good question. Yeah, but Expedia's uh, CEO, this is as of Monday while we are recording the podcast. Who knows how things can change, but it seems pretty much cemented that uh, Expedia CEO Dara Khosrowshahi, he's going to be taking up the top job. And I was actually following this over the weekend, and there's a lot of talk about is either going to be the chairman from uh, GE, Jeff Immelt, or else, uh, in fact, my old boss, Meg Whitman, this is back when I uh, worked for eBay, like in uh, the corporate side. I used to investigate fraud over there. And, uh, you know, uh, so she was a CEO at the time there. So, like, I I was actually quite familiar with Meg Whitman as a contender for uh, this job over at Uber. And um, it looks like they went with kind of the dark horse candidate. They had a lot of reports going on over the weekend saying, like, and then there's a third candidate. Uh, Mm. All we know is that he's male, but we don't know much beyond that because these are closed-door meetings with the uh, whole uh, boardroom going on there. So it's been fascinating to see this go back and forth. But uh, he's overseen a lot of growth, uh, Dara, that is. Uh, he's overseen a lot of growth at Expedia, and uh, they've acquired a lot of other uh, competitors in the meantime. So 
I mean, it's curious how much he's going to be able to give it a bit of a facelift after the beating that they've taken over the past eight months or so. And let's be honest, Uber needs a major facelift at this stage. There are many ongoing lawsuits, whether it's with drivers and class actions, a lawsuit between the Board of Governors and the former CEO and founder, Travis Kalanick, a lawsuit with Google's division, their autonomous vehicle division, Waymo. Like The stories and controversy are almost endless at this point. It's helpful you have at least a fresh face coming into the top job. Yeah. But whoever it is, if it remains to be Dara Khosrowshahi, he has a very big job ahead of him. Yeah. I... Either way, uh, they're still bringing in lots of revenue. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I, and I don't think anybody thinks that this kind of growth is going to be going on in perpetuity. So it's just managing expectations, getting them on the right side of things. And it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. I actually had the opportunity last week to take an Uber for the very first time. Okay. I was in California. I also took Lyft too, testing both services out. Pretty much identical though. Right? Yeah, I couldn't really tell a difference. Someone told me you should take Lyft. They treat their drivers better and the costs are lower. I didn't really notice a huge difference when it came to cost. But from mm-hmm. what I can tell, like exact same concept, um, there might be differences at the company level. But in terms of a service, it seemed very similar. Yeah. When I was in the United States a few weeks ago, I had both apps on my phone and I used Lyft exclusively. Um, I When they're doing estimates for costs, um, Lyft consistently gave me um, cheaper estimates. So I was just like, okay. So just went with Lyft the whole time. And there's other friends uh, that I was with who they're on the boycott Uber bandwagon. Mm-hmm. So my friends are like, no, just do Lyft. Just do Lyft. I was just like, okay, I'm I'm on vacation. I'm not going to argue with anybody. <laughs> we'll, we'll lift it up instead. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I yeah. like it. In other news, Cineplex, Canada's largest entertainment movie theater company, they're actually going to be offering Tuesday pricing. They started over the weekend, but it'll last till Thursday, and that's because of a a lack of positive, really good blockbuster films, according to the company. So they're struggling a little bit. You know, I think they're probably struggling a little bit generally. They have to compete with streaming services. It's summer. There's beautiful weather. But it's because of the blockbusters. There have been some flops. It's the uh, August slog. I mean, this is like the slow part of the summer. Uh, so I, I get it. I actually made use of this. I actually went and saw a movie, uh, paid like eight bucks to go to a nice. movie on a Saturday night um, here in Vancouver, which is a pretty good deal. For, actually, it's, I think the best deal I've had for a movie in quite some time, at least on a Saturday night. Uh, are, are you going to be making use of this? Uh, you want to go see the Hitman's Bodyguard? Is that it? Really? I, <laughs> I, you know, I do want to make use of it. I usually go and see movies on Tuesdays. I will probably do that again this week. Or I might oh, change it way. up. Ju- like, I, you got to go on a Wednesday if it's Tuesday pricing, but we'll see if it works Yeah, out. it's not like you get even <laughs> more discounts on Tuesday. That would be nice. Yeah. That would so. be really nice. What are you going to go see? Do you have uh, any idea? Uh, is it... Is it Logan Lucky? Oh, okay. Yeah, I want I want to see that one. That was really good. I've heard I dug the, that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I once saw Wind River over the weekend. Okay. Um, very dark and depressing, but uh, yeah, a really good movie. I'd I'd uh, give it a uh, a good uh, uh, recommendation. There you go. One I'm looking forward to seeing. I never saw the original, uh, and this will come out in the fall. But it. Okay. The remake of it. I. I've seen the trailers. It looks compelling. It looks terrifying. And in sort of this news from Cineplex, they were saying, you know, September, there's a whole lineup of great films that they're expecting to see numbers up. But that's what I'm I'm looking forward to watching. Yeah, I think I was looking at tracking numbers for it right now. And it's like supposed to open to like $60 million, which I'm just like shocked by. But yeah, 
Yeah. Who knows? A lot of people like getting scared. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, Amazon, uh, they've finally finalized their acquisition of Whole Foods. Uh, so look, you go into Whole Foods as of this week, you get some cheaper avocados, bananas, oh. baby kale, uh, even rotisserie chicken. Uh, some items have been actually discounted by as much as 43% effective wow. Monday. So you definitely see uh, Amazon. They're, they're employing that same kind of tactic that they've had throughout uh, their entire, you know, I guess life cycle, which is uh, let's see if we can undercut the competition, maybe squeeze them out with lower prices and then continue our dominance. They're doing that, but Amazon's not a particularly profitable company. No, um, not at all. Their margins are incredibly thin. So I'm, I'm curious how this goes with the grocery business, which is notorious for having razor thin margins as well but look the big difference here is amazon failed utterly when they tried to do their own grocery business now they have actual experts doing this whole foods has such a notable you know brand behind it uh the other thing Haley, if you go jump in this week uh you'll be able to actually buy amazon products like the amazon echo uh right next to your baby kale they move fast that amazon you know i i think it's fair to say no one at this point in time expects Amazon to be profitable. What they're expecting from Amazon is sort of this slow march toward global dominance. They're pushing boundaries. They're reinventing supply chains. They're cutting costs. I think at this stage, they're rolling forward. And maybe at some point in the future, people will say, okay, we now expect you to be profitable at this. But so far, their MO has not been to really grow sustainably and with nice, cushy margins. Yeah. It's uh, destroy the mom and pa shops yeah. and then we'll uh, rake in the profits. So. Yeah, exactly. Irreversibly, perhaps. Yeah, and then charge <laughs> customers whatever they want exactly. for you know, all those great items. Well, no, yeah. Anyone who's against Amazon, I, I'm sure you could easily get a rant from uh, a local retailer. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's it for business news, I think. After the break, we're going to listen to a segment from our BIV Roundhouse radio show featuring John Johnson, senior fellow at the C.D. Howe Institute. Stay tuned for that. This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax, and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. Now, if you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, and if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600. That's 604-714-3600. Or check them out on their website at manningelliott.ca. Now we're going to feature an interview from BIV's Roundhouse Radio Show. Tyler, you and our colleague Kirk LaPointe spoke to John Johnson. Yeah, it was a very insightful interview about uh, how NAFTA is going at this point in negotiations or or renegotiations. Uh, And uh, John's got some great uh, ways of kind of digging into maybe why Trump isn't making a whole lot of sense with a lot of the uh, tweets that he's been putting out there or even in his speeches to uh, say rallies in uh, Phoenix, for example. It's been an interesting negotiating tactic on the part of the president. Uh. <laughs> Let's have a listen. Thanks for joining us today at Roundhouse Radio 98.3. You're listening to Business in Vancouver. We're the daily business news program from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Kirk LaPointe. I'm Tyler Orton. Well, Kirk, I, I think it's been a notable week in those uh, NAFTA negotiations, oh, yeah. at least if you're following what the uh, president of the United States has to say. Yes, uh, you have to be on Twitter to really get the full sense <laughs> sure. of these of these negotiations. It wasn't always so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, with us to give us kind of a, a lowdown of what's going on between Canada, Mexico, and the United States is John Johnson. 
He's a senior fellow at the C.D. Howe Institute, and he's advisor to Canada during the original NAFTA negotiations way back when. John, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. I don't think Simon Reisman ever would have thought of uh, Twitter as being a factor. <laughs> I th- and you, I think you'd agree that this is this is a bit of a new wrinkle. But um, how much can you really take from, say, what is happening at that level and what really takes place in behind the closed doors? I don't think a great deal. Um, Trump has, uh, from time to time, threatened to tear up NAFTA get rid of it. Um, I would take all of that with a grain of salt, and I'm sure our negotiators will. It's just his uh, style and nature. He is heavily invested in the concept that NAFTA is terrible, and he has run around the country for the last couple of years saying that very thing. And uh, so he's sort of wedded to that position. But I I think that uh, the threat to tear it up, he did this in April. He was going to uh, get Lighthouse or, to, or the USTR to, uh, to issue a notice uh, of termination of NAFTA, and then he decided not to, and now he raised the thing in the speech uh, in Arizona. Um, I've heard a number of our commentators on that. Uh, the only surprise I've heard is that he would uh, uh, play this hand so very early in the game. Yeah, I think that- we're going to hear a lot of it. Yeah, isn't that the kind of brinksmanship, the thing that you do right at the end when you don't have your, you don't have your Yeah, own? well, that, that that was a surprise that has been expressed by some, is that, yes, brinksmanship, uh, you do it at the end. You don't do it when uh, absolutely nothing has happened. You've had f- five days of meetings, five days of negotiation, uh, exchange of positions, but uh, nothing has been decided. It's really right at the very beginning. And I think our negotiators who are a pretty tough bunch and they're very experienced or just take it with a grain of salt. You know, John, as you mentioned, it's very, very early on in these negotiations, but is there anything that we can take away from it or anything that we can suppose came out of this at this point? Well, I I think one thing for sure, it's going to be a very tough negotiation. And when Trump talks about we may have to terminate NAFTA, they're not going to get everything they want. And there's a, a couple of real deal breakers there. They, they're they're absolutely preoccupied with trade balances. Um, you can't fix that in an agreement. Uh, you shouldn't fix it in an agreement, but it seems to be very high on their list. Uh, currency manipulation, they talk about that. I don't see how we can ever agree to have provisions on, on that. There are problems with automotive rules of origin. They want to eliminate Chapter 19. Um, these are very tough positions, and uh, it's going to take quite a effort to uh, reconcile them, and they may not be reconcilable. One thing that you, you didn't mention there and, and came up, I think, in a speech from Trump himself uh, was our supply management system for the dairy industry. Um, it, is, is that a real threat in this case here uh, in, in, this, in negotiations? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, firstly, uh, the Americans have been after supply management for a long time. Uh, this isn't new. This isn't a Trump thing, although he has really, he's focused on it somewhat more than previous administrations have. The difficulty there is that the Americans subsidize their dairy industry. We protect our dairy industry by limiting supply and therefore keeping margins higher than they otherwise would be. The Americans support their industry by subsidizing. If we were to get rid of supply management, I think it would be uh, fatal to our industry unless the Americans stopped subsidizing 
and getting them to do that would be very difficult. Uh, I, I think there probably will end up being some sort of compromise on that. In the TPP negotiations, we agreed to open the market to a certain extent, and we also agreed to the same, at least agreed to a similar approach in uh, CETA. So you may end up with something like that. Get a bit more American cheese into Canada, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John, one of the things that uh, Canadian side has been uh, very blustery about is this uh, dispute resolution mechanism, and the United States has said that they are against it. Uh, what do you think the prospects are for uh, NAFTA continuing on and whatever its new form is going to look like? Uh, is that going to have to have some sort of dispute resolution mechanism embedded in it? Well, the, the, the dispute resolution mechanism in question is Chapter 19. What Chapter 19 does is that it substitutes domestic judicial review of certain decisions in anti-dumping and countervailing cases with binational panel review. So if you have a U.S. situation where a U.S. agency is found dumping or subsidization or injury, normally you would go to the U.S. courts and the U.S. court would review that, a judicial review of that to make sure that the law was complied with and so on. What NAFTA did, at least what NAFTA did in the FTA before, is that they substituted that with binational panel review. But the binational panel review, at least the binational panel, applies U.S. law. Now, this system worked pretty well up until the last go around with Softwood. And then the Americans did everything they could to undermine it. And the problem with Chapter 19 is it requires a significant degree of goodwill or good faith on the part of the Americans to make it work. And during the last iteration of Softwood, the agencies did everything they possibly could to stonewall in making decisions. And now you have a an administration that is actively hostile to uh, Chapter 19. So. I've got real concerns there. The other concern is that in Softwood 4, and this has come up before, there was a challenge made as to whether Chapter 19 was consistent with the U.S. Constitution. The matter wasn't resolved because Canada settled with the United States in the Softwood Lumber Agreement in 2006. That's an unresolved issue. And the only party that can defend a challenge of that sort is the U.S. government, and the U this particular U.S. government or U.S. administration is openly hostile to Chapter 19. So I, I, I don't know where we're going, to, we're going to end up on that, but I do have some real concerns. John Johnson's our guest. He's a senior fellow at the C.D. Howe Institute. He was actually one of the advisors for Canada in the original NAFTA negotiations. We're talking about uh, NAFTA 2.0 now. And um, and the version that uh, the negotiators are attempting to create all of those. Uh, when Canada put its um, put its list of uh, intentions up, uh, John, of course, it mentioned a couple of things that I think people still are scratching their heads about in the United States. Um, issues involving gender and indigeneity. Um, are they are they keepers? Um, I'm scratching my head too. I'm not quite sure what you do with that, like women's rights, uh, uh, pr provisions respecting indigenous peoples. I, I don't know exactly what you do, what sort of provision you have in a trade agreement that has relevance or meaning dealing with those sorts of issues. There was also a wish put forward on climate change, and uh, of course that's a very tough one because uh, the U.S. administration is openly hostile to uh, efforts to uh, mitigate um, 
carbon and carbon pollution, and uh, they don't seem to care about climate change. So I'm I'm not quite sure what's behind those issues. Was it just simply trying to appeal to the base back home to make it clear yes, that, it, that I, that's, I think that yeah. I think that's as good an explanation as any. That makes sense. Well, uh, John, I, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Lots of interesting stuff that's been going on so far. I'm sure we'll talk to you again very soon. Well, uh, my pleasure, and I'd be happy to do it again. That's John Johnson. He's a senior fellow at the C.D. Howe Institute. And that's it for Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 98.3. I'm Tyler Orton. And I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll be back next week. Well, that was John Johnson, senior fellow at the C.D. Howe Institute. He also had a hand in negotiating the original NAFTA deal, too. So great to get his insight on how things are going so far. Yeah, uh, you you can tell he's uh, kind of scratching his head at a lot of these uh, <laughs> things that have gone on at this point. But hey, what can you do? What can you do? Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for joining us here at BIV. This podcast was brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. If you'd like to listen to past podcasts, past episodes from our radio show and read more business news, you can head over to BIV. Dot com. And Tyler, if anyone wants to connect with you, how can they do that? Yeah, you know, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Reporton or also, yeah, like you said, go to BIV.com uh, for my stories and all the other stuff that we're up to, Haley. There you go. And you can connect with me on social media as well at Haley Wooden. Feel free to say hey. And that's it for our show this week. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next week.